good morning, church family. So good to see you this morning. Um, super honored this morning to have a really dear friend, um, Pastor Chad Ellenberg, here to bring us God's word this morning. And um, just wanted to share a little bit with you about who this man is and what he means to me. So Chad is not only a dear friend of mine, but someone who I would actually consider to be a pastor to me, a shepherd to me, someone who has discipled me, even though we have been good friends and gone through thick and thin together in life and in ministry. Pastor Chad, he was um, the worship leader when I was up at Pleasant Valley in Minnesota, and the Lord um, put it on my heart, and I would say even put it on his heart, even though he didn't know it at the time, to be the next guy that God would call to be the lead pastor at Pleasant Valley Church. I've truly, I'm telling you, I've learned so much from Chad. I learned about what does it mean to be devoted to Jesus, to cultivate a devotion and a love for Jesus. I've learned a lot about prayer. I learned a lot about um, how to disciple your family and your kids. He's a tremendous dad. I love hearing stories how he, he just shepherds his kids' hearts. It's just absolutely beautiful. Um, the Lord blessed me, and I'm going to say that selfishly. He really blessed me when I was on, on my sabbatical this past spring, and it just so happened that uh, his sabbatical was at the same time. And so we had an opportunity to do something together and to allow to the Lord to dig deep into our hearts together. God has gifted him as a storyteller. He's an artist. He's got a pastor's heart. He's one who I would say is a man after God's heart. So Austin Oaks Church, please welcome Pastor Chad Ellenberg. Well, thank you. Uh, it's, it's really an honor. Um, I know about you, a lot about you. I hear about you often. We often share our post-Sunday, how did it go? And one of us says something like this, you know, Spent all week with Jesus, did my best. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what's happening. I have a confession, though. I'm going to say I'm not from Minnesota. I cheer for the other UT. I'm so sorry. I know. I'm from Knoxville, Tennessee. Uh, I'll, I'll give you this. Your orange is better. It's, it's, it's more seasoned. Um, but... I want, to, uh, I want to also just say about Brandon, too. Uh, he did, he told me he was leaving, which I was mad about. And then he said, and I told the board that they should consider you for senior pastor. And I was like, why would you do that? <laughs> and he said, because I knew you'd say no. And that was true. I went home and I told my wife and she was like, well, that would be a no. Um, and it was, it was. It was like, honestly, like every senior pastor I had been under, except for one, it seemed like there was a crash and burn or a separation from what it meant to be authentic and real up here. Because I don't know how to do this other than to tell you how what God has done in my heart this week as I've studied this passage. And, I'm not, and I didn't see that growing up. I saw pastors were the ones who were finished, you know. And so Brandon was the first one who was like, look, look at this brokenness. <laughs> look at, the, I don't know what to do, but I love him and I want to pursue him. And he took me and I was a burnt out, honestly kicked out 
of the church kind of guy. Like I was done with ministry for eight years. So youth pastor for like eight or nine. I went into the business world for eight years and I was like, I'm never doing this again. I'm never doing this again. And I do believe that the Lord does use the gifts of the spirit. And there was somebody, I was, but I was a little weirded out by it. And somebody actually didn't know me. My wife and I were standing there and they said, hey, we, I just got a, a word for you. And I was like, what's a word? <laughs> and they said, and this was right after I had just left the church, said, are you a pastor? Said, I used to be. And the, it was a lady, she said, I see that word over your head, P-A-S-T-O-R. And God wants you to know that he decides when you're done. I was like, <laughs> it, was, it was one of those where you're like, what is happening? And so it was nine years but when I finally said, I'll give this a try, there was one guy who came alongside me and truly said, I want to be your friend. I want to walk with you. I want to I do this together. And it's Brandon. And that has remained. And we continue to do that. And so I love Jesus. I love this book. I love the stories in it. I struggle often for it to connect from pages to this, where it's changing me. But this story, this book is one story that is to lead you to Jesus. It is supposed to do that. It's not to be a book where you're like, oh, yeah, that prophecy, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. Yeah, I know it. Like high school algebra, took it, done with it. It's meant to be this thing that you meditate on over and over and you read it and you allow it to come into your life and it changes you. And so we're going to read just, and you've, you saw it in the video, you've heard it now. I've listened to the messages, got to listen to Brandon and Pastor Chad do a great job opening this up. We're going to read it again and we're going to add a verse though. Verse five, right before, because the light looks better on the darkness, right? You see a great painting there's always a great backdrop. There's always like this, I like moody paintings, Caravaggio. Like just the light is shining and here's this blackness and then the light, you're just drawn to it. But sometimes you need the blackness. And so Isaiah 9, let's look at it together. And Lord Jesus, let this word come to life. God, let it bring a flower and go deep into our hearts. Lord, your word can cut us. We don't want to read your word this morning, Jesus. We want it to read us. And Lord, let it come to life in us. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. So Isaiah 9, verse 5, not 6. We'll start there. For every trampling boot of battle and the bloodied garments of war will be burned as fuel for the fire. Merry Christmas. <laughs> but that's what it is. That's what it is. This, is. this is Christmas. All right, we're in it. For a child will be born for us. Wait, how does this go together? A son will be given to us. The government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Christmas as a kid was magnificent. I loved everything about it. I don't know about you, we didn't have the internet. We did not have Amazon. And so when you wanted to pick out a present, you used 
the Sears wish book. Do I have any Sears wish book people? Yes. And my grandmother would hand us this catalog that weighed 100 pounds and say, pick something. And I would study it. I would lay under the tree and I'm just like turning those pages and I'm circling things and I'm ripping them out and thumbtacking them to my wall. That's how I felt about the Sears wish book. And one, you know, one year, and it was just crazy the things that I asked for. One year I wanted a ventriloquist doll <laughs> of all the things. And so my grandmother got me Mortimer Snurd. And here I am, sure my parents are like, that's awesome, you're so good. I kept that doll, and my oldest, her name is Maya. We adopted her from Vietnam. I used to play a trick on Maya. I would put Mortimer Snurd in her bunk bed, which was up. And I would put him in, and I would put the blanket right up to his face, and I would turn the lights out. And then I'd stand in the hallway, and she went in there one night. She's in high school, okay? She climbed to the top of that thing and she leapt six feet across the room. And I was like, yes. Yeah. Mortimer Snurd from the Sears wish book lives on. I used to take the Noel sign. Anybody have the Noel sign in their house? N-O-E-L. And I would turn it into Leon on my parents' shelf. I would sneak into my parents' closet and look at my gifts 10, 20 times, but still pretend to be surprised on Christmas morning. Oh my goodness, I can't believe you got me this. I remember laying in my bed one Christmas Eve and I was convinced somebody was breaking into our house and stealing my presents. I was terrified. I wanted to go down, but somebody's stealing my stuff. So I loved it. I loved all of this stuff, but I wasn't thinking about battle. I wasn't thinking about boots. I wasn't thinking about bloodied garments of war. I was thinking about candy canes, Santa Claus, eggnog. Any eggnog fans? I love eggnog. It's like a thousand calories in one little cup, but I love eggnog. And presents. My experience of Christmas, of the Christmas story was missing something. My Christmas story smelled like peppermint and cinnamon, but the original hearers, they smelled smoke, fire, and burning bodies. Whoa. I heard sleigh bells and laughter. The original hearers, pain, war cries, battle. I saw twinkling lights and sparkling tinsel. The original audience, darkness, gloom. My hands were eager to rip into presence. Their hands, bound and enslaved. Uh, Lord, I need some help here. I'm not experiencing this story. I needed a way for the word to become flesh. It needed to find its way. I needed the ink to still be wet when I read it. I needed Isaiah to have just put down his pen. I needed the messenger who ran as fast as he could to get me the word to be standing there in front of me out of breath and telling me, here's the good news. That's what I needed, but I wasn't experiencing that. I wanted my eyes to well up with tears when I heard the message to know that this message is for me. And I think that's what the Spirit of God would say to us this morning. This message is for you. I needed to hear 
his voice saying what? And I would say it to you this morning. A message from 2,755 years ago has your name on it. Isn't that crazy? We are reading something that was written 2,755 years ago and we're like, yeah, absolutely. I, I talk about this all the time at work. It's such an important message for me. And that, they took it away already, it's okay. But that scroll right there is the Isaiah scroll from Qumran. And so if you read Hebrew, I don't. Brandon does, but I don't. It actually, it's these verses. And we're like, yeah, that's so exciting. This is my story? This is your story? I was 13 when I started to hear the battle cry. God likes to use 13-year-olds. Mary was 13. I was 13. I was leaning in to becoming a young man, but I was still a boy. And we would have a candlelight service at our church where they gave fire to kids. <laughs> it was awesome. I was like, are you serious? I get to hold fire? <laughs> In my hand, I mean, I'm totally, my mom's sitting next to me and I'm like, she's like, mm. <laughs> you're like running, you're like, okay, okay, yeah, mm, I'm, fair. I'm focused now, I'm focused. But I, so I love this moment. They would turn all the lights out in the church, it was pitch black, and then the light would start in the corners and one person would get it. And if you've ever been to a candlelight service, what do we do? Pass it, pass it, and gradually, this story takes shape and it becomes this beaming light just from candles. It's on everybody's faces. And I loved it. And I was like, I love this moment. And we would sing, silent night, holy night. All is calm. All is bright. Round John Virgin. No. <laughs> Joseph, Mary, and round John Virgin. They were all there. No. Sorry. <laughs> Couldn't help it. Who is Brown John Virgin? This, this guy, man, he was there. But you get to that last part, sleep in heavenly peace. Sleep in heavenly peace, which my wife pointed this out. A lot of people pointed this out. As far as this being a calm night, anybody that's been in a labor and delivery room would say, no way. <laughs> but ultimately, like once Jesus is there, he's wrapped up, it's all great. It's like, yeah, sleep in heavenly peace. This is awesome. Baby Jesus in a manger, Christmas. But my grandfather was sitting next to me, and I passed him the flame. My grandfather didn't know my name at this point. He'd forgotten it. And I was trying to be excited about the flame, but I was struggling with the fact that his hand was shaking as I passed the flame. And I'm like 13, and I'm trying to not think about it. I want candy canes, eggnog, and Santa. I don't want that. I don't want to think about the fact that my grandfather doesn't know who I am and that sometimes when I was at his house, at his house he would think that I had broken in and that I was a stranger. I don't want to think about that. Why did I have to sit next to him? Mom, his hand was shaking. And you know those little discs that keep the wax from going on your hand? Well, his was cockeyed. And the wax, hot wax, was running down his hand. And he wasn't doing anything about it. 
And I was trying to put it out of my head. And so we got through the service and I was like, gosh, I'm glad to be done with that. I don't like that, but it bothered me. This drum of war was beating, starting to beat in my heart. Next day, Christmas Day, presents, excited, I forget that. And then we go to extended family and I'm standing there. My grandmother says, Chad, can you hold granddaddy's arm while I get into the car? I got to put some stuff in. Just stand on the curb here and hold him. I'm 5'8". He was like 6'2", big man. He wasn't comfortable with who I was anyway. He didn't know who I was. So I'm standing there. I remember it was cold and I was just shivering trying to hold his arm. And he started to stumble. And I'm 5'8", little guy. And I'm like, no, Granddaddy, no. And he was kind of fighting me as well as falling. And he fell, boom, into the car so hard. He's on the ground. My grandmother comes around the car. She's crying. I'm crying. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I couldn't hold him. That summer, my grandfather would pass away from Alzheimer's. Well, now I'm hearing the story, Lord, because Christmas isn't so fun this year. I don't understand how this is sleep in heavenly peace. Prince of Peace? Come on. God, this doesn't make sense. I probably couldn't put words to it as a 13-year-old. I can now. But I was experiencing a lack of peace in a fallen world. Broken, incomplete, a physical body and a mind deteriorating in front of me. A relationship broken, a clock ticking, a gnawing ache in my heart, a creeping darkness, an unsatisfied need, a restlessness in my soul. An outward problem with my grandfather mirrored and awakened an inward problem of sin and death. And all of a sudden, bloodied garments and boots trampling is starting to make sense. I needed something. I needed someone fix it, to heal, to help, to make it right. I needed peace. You may feel something similar. You may be trying to push it out just like I was. There's a part of you that knows this. There's a part of you that listens to this and goes, this is my story. Maybe not those specifics, but this is my experience too. There's an ache in me as well. So let's say you get there. And you go, okay, okay, I can, I can do verse 5 too. I can add verse 5 to 6 for my, maybe I'm not going to put it on my shelf on a Christmas card. I'm not going to send, I'm going to send just mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. I'm not going to say bloodied boots and trampling more, you know, like I'm not going to send that. But I'll, I'll give you that, God, that I need it. I need something. So once you realize that God can do something, we're very Western, we're very American. We're all about fast Speed, efficiency, I can do it better than the last guy. So Lord, if I need this, let's get it going. Right now, let's fix it. Let's do it. Let's take this whole thing down. You can come, you can heal everything. You can, we can get everything right if you would just do it now. But instead of doing that, in the prophecy is hidden this really, really annoying thing. That it's a baby. It's not a full grown man. It's not a full-grown leader. It's not a king coming in blazing. It's a baby. We need somebody to speak. He's going to have to learn language. 
We need somebody to walk right into the middle of our mess. He's going to have to learn to walk. But I need a strong hand to guide me. He won't be able to make a fist or even hold his head up. God, this doesn't make any sense. How can these words answer the need for peace? And we don't want to fall into the Pharisee category where God said to them, hey, you think you know this book? You know this book? You don't know it's about me? Then you don't know this book. We don't want to fall into that category where we're like, yeah, I know the verses. How can it become flesh? How do we experience the fulfillment of the prophecy? It's one thing to hear it, and you've heard it, you know it, you could probably say it back to me, the same verses. Now you've got new ones to add to it, bloodied boots and garments and all that stuff. What do you do with it? Really, what do you do with it? Rather than come in on Sunday and go, mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, good sermon, nice job. Or why'd you say that? Like, that's all we do? Is that what we do? Maybe we'll go to a small group, confess a little bit, encourage each other. But is that really the fulfillment? Let's watch somebody else do it. Somebody familiar? Luke chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man named Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel came to her and said, greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. And just a little nugget right there that is not wow Mary I saw something in your heart that was so amazing and I decided to come to you no this is God has brought his favor to you grace has found you Hmm. sound familiar hopefully Lord is with you verse 29 but she was deeply troubled by this statement wondering what kind of greeting this could be then the angel told her don't be afraid Mary you found favor with God now listen you will conceive and Connect it to Isaiah 9, give birth to a son. You will name him Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever and ever, and his kingdom will have no end. You have to make that connection to Isaiah 9. But what is he saying? You get a baby. You get the baby. A son will be given to you. She didn't ask for this. For sure she didn't ask for this. Please let me get pregnant before I've been with my husband and have everybody look at me like this. This would be awesome. Can I be a part of the great wisdom of the, you know, bringing salvation to the world? I'm your girl, Lord, please let me do it. No, she wasn't asking for this. He did it anyway. He did it anyway. She's letting it happen. Don't miss the easiest metaphor on the planet, Okay about God's desire for a relationship with you. The Bible's one story unfolding, leading you to Genesis. Genesis 3 is the first time the gospel story, the Christmas story shows up. Anybody remember it? The seed of the woman will crush your head. So there is a redemptive thread and you can pull that thread all the way to Isaiah. And if you say Isaiah 9, wonderful counselor, mighty God, prince of peace, a child will be born to you. You pull on that thread, what happens? Genesis goes, and then the thread goes all the way to Luke chapter 1. And you pull on that thread and Isaiah and Genesis both go, because it's one story. God is on this thing and he is going to get it done. And so the baby shows up, but don't miss that there's another thread. And the thread is, do you want it? God is saying, hey, this thing, 
And actually, by the way, it goes back before the foundation of the world. Revelation tells us the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. This thread has your name on it if you want it. And hopefully it becomes a part of your heart and God pulls on your heart and Luke and Isaiah and Genesis all go because you're a part of the story. God wants to make his home in you. That's the metaphor. It's the easiest, if you think about it, a lot of times we just think this is God telling the story about how he was born. No, he's showing you the gospel. What is the easiest? Like, think about it. It's, oh, God living inside of a person. Oh, oh yeah. I get it. It's the easiest metaphor. He visits a teenage girl, a 13-year-old. Nothing special about her. He wants to save the world, so he starts with a girl. It's personal. He could have gone to Jerusalem with a whole lot of fanfare. Give us like a Thanos-type God who's kind. Fireworks, like blow down into the temple. Jesus, you need Marvel to give you some marketing help. This is pretty bad. You're Nazareth. Everybody hates Nazareth. And a teenage girl? And by the way, who's going to keep it secret for 30 years? How's that for marketing? We got this amazing message. Everybody in the world needs to hear it. We're not going to tell anybody for 30 years. It doesn't make sense, does it? There's only a few people that know this. Joseph, Mary, Elizabeth, Zechariah. And do they fully believe it? Do you think Mary had some parts of her that were like, is is there something happening here? (laughs) Is this real? How silently, how silently the wondrous gift is given. And one small, but actually very big caveat, Mary's yes to the gift of the Prince of Peace will mean a whole lot of difficulty on the outside. Sound familiar? People will believe she's a liar. That she's lost her mind. No, God is living in me. Mm Mm-hmm. I promise I didn't sleep with him. Mm Mm-hmm. Sure, honey. No. They think she has gone off the deep end. And they don't know if this is all true. They're on the run. People are trying to kill the baby. Yet she is believing that the word of God is becoming flesh in her own heart. He's making his home in her. Say yes and then do a whole lot of waiting and trusting. God's process in us takes time. And Mary probably wondered, is anything happening? I have a friend I visited in the hospital this past week follower of Jesus who has cancer and he is in last month or two. So we, I took communion, we sat there and here's what he said. I don't know if I've done enough. I was like, what do you mean? He said, I don't know if I've done enough for my salvation. And his name's Dave. And I said, Dave, it's done. It's done. Rest. I see the life of Jesus in you. And he, this was my favorite quote of the whole time. He said, man, God is just so dang awesome. <laughs> That's what he said. Joy in his heart. I got a month left. I am so excited 
to see Jesus. Yet outside what is happening, cancer is killing him. Inside, the life of God. So say yes and believe. A definition I heard of belief this past week is to relax into what God has already done. We think of belief as like, I'm going to believe, Lord. And relax, rest in what God has already done. Message from 2,755 years ago has your name on it. God wants to make his home in you. So what happens next? Last few verses, Luke 2. Again, familiar. High school algebra? No. (laughs) No. New and your heart coming alive, hopefully. Verse 7. Then, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. She has a baby. She gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him tightly in cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. By the way, that is accurate. Guest room would have been the top floor of the house. They probably slept on the bottom floor where the animals were kept. This whole thing of like an angry innkeeper. No, get out. You're the son of God. You know, like that's that's not what happened. There's no guest room. We're so sorry. There's so many people in town. But you can stay stay in our stable, which is right down there. In the same region, shepherds staying out in the fields, keeping watch at night over their flock. An angel of the Lord stood before them. The glory of the Lord shone around them. They're terrified. The angel said to them, don't be afraid. Look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the city of David, a Savior was born for you who is the Messiah, the Lord, this will be the sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth, lying in a manger, and suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly host with the angel praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest. And what? Peace. Peace on earth to the people he favors. So great. Mary, the promise came true. She's got a baby. It's sweet. Jesus in the manger The ox and lamb kept time to the drummer boy, apparently. Such a weird song. (laughs) You like see the cows. Who was this person that wrote this song? (laughs) A halo of light. Think about our ranger scenes. We love this story. There's nothing more Christmas than baby Jesus, presents, lights. It's so peaceful. But the question looms, how does this bring peace to the world? How does this bring peace to a darkened heart? Peace to brokenness of bodies that give way to Alzheimer's? Cancer. God is a baby. He doesn't seem like a wonderful counselor or a mighty God or an everlasting father. He needs a father. He needs a father. Prince of Peace, come on. He had to be cared for. Think about this. He had to be kept warm, soothed, protected, diaper changed, fed. The one who designed and created language has to hear from his parents how to say Ima and Abba. He's got to learn it. The one who designed the skeletal system and the muscular system and the physics of walking needs to be hands held and 
learn to walk. He's not strong. He's weak. His hands are tiny. This is how you're bringing peace. He can't even take care of himself. How will he bring about peace on earth? My favorite author, um, Texas guy, Max Lucado, growing up. Um, I, my whole spiritual formation, totally from Max Lucado. And honestly, probably the way I think about scripture. He's got a great little book uh, called An Angel Story. It used to be called Cosmic Christmas. And it's, angel told from, it's a Christmas told from the angel's perspective. They see what's happening behind the scenes. And there's this one moment, and it's this moment, where there's the baby Jesus, and they're all gathered around. And so it's not just Mary and Joseph and the shepherds, it's all of the angels. And they're all like leaning in, watching. And here's what he says. And this is one of the angels speaking. All of God was in the infant. Light encircled his face and radiated from his tiny hands. The very glory I had witnessed in his throne room now burst through his skin. I felt we should sing, but we didn't know what. We had no song. We had no verse. We'd never seen the sight of God in a baby. When God had made a star, our words had roared. When he had delivered his servants, our tongues had flown with praise before his throne. Our songs never ended, but what do you sing to God in a feed trough? In that moment, a wonderful thing happened. As we looked at the baby Jesus, the darkness lifted. Not the darkness of the night, but the darkness of the mystery. Heaven's enlightenment engulfed the legions. Our minds were filled with truth we had never known before. We became aware for the first time of the Father's plan to rescue them. He revealed to us all that was to come and at once, and here it is, amazed and stunned, the eye of every angel went to one part of the child. The hands. The hands. And we heard a voice from the throne room. At the pounding of the nail, you will not save him. You will watch. You will hear. You will yearn. But you will not rescue him. And Max paints this beautiful picture of the angel saying, no. We live to serve our king, and you want us to watch him be killed? What is God saying? Look at his hands. They are tiny hands that will be pierced. How's peace going to come through a baby? Tiny hands that will be pierced. The baby in the feed trough is a living sacrifice. His one purpose to bleed. The king has come to die. Peace must be bought and it will cost everything. So some of those threads, we were talking about those threads. Here's a couple more. He was pierced because of our rebellion, crushed because of our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. By his stripes, We are healed. Ephesians 2, another thread connected. Now in Christ Jesus, you who were far away have been brought near for he is our peace. He came and preached 
peace, proclaimed the good news of peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. John 14, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I don't give you the kind that the world gives. Don't let your heart be troubled. Your peace, my peace, will come through his crushing. Stunning. As Tim Keller said, God just became killable. Wow. He becomes the cancer and the cure. God made him who knew no sin to become sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God. No wonder the angels can't help but say glory to God. What kind of love is this? What kind of love is this? Peace on earth. Peace has touched down on the planet. Peace is here because peace is a person. Peace is a person. One final verse. Luke 24. As they were saying these things, and these things was, I don't know if this is true or not, but she said he was risen. He said he saw him. I don't know what to believe. And all of a sudden, Jesus shows up through the wall and says what? Anybody know? Peace (laughs) be with you. Peace. Why? Listen to what it says. They were startled and terrified and thought they were seeing a ghost. I love the Bible so much. It's so cool. It's so cool. They don't go, oh, thank you, Jesus. That is so wonderful. They don't do that. They're like, oh, my gosh. Okay? They're terrified. They think they're seeing a ghost. People are like, you just stay right there. I'm not, no, no, okay? They're normal just like you. And he says, hey, why are you troubled? Why do doubts arise in your heart? Here it is, here it is, here it is. Look at my hands. Look at my hands. Look at my feet. It's me. Touch me and see. Ghost doesn't have flesh and bones. And having said this, He showed them his hands. Can you see his hands this morning? Chad, I see you looking at your grandfather's broken hands, shaking, hot wax, running down. Now look at mine. Now look at mine. They were crushed. But if you look close, you'll also see Closer. Hey, that's your name. See, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Is that you? I'm going to have the worship team come on up and I'm just pray for us as we ask the Lord just to minister to our hearts as we sing together. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, I just in awe of who you are. Thank you, Lord, for the stunning truth of you emptying yourself, humbling yourself. And Lord, I think of Philippians 2, Lord. Becoming flesh. Did not consider something, equality with God, something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. 
and submitted himself to death, even death on a cross. Lord, thank you for your sacrifice, God. We thank you that, um, Lord, we have in us, a lot of us, like the very similar place that Mary was, where we're like, is there something going on? (laughs) Are you doing something in me? Are you really going to bring your peace to the earth? God, give us the faith and the hope to um, believe and Lord, to relax into your promises and what you're doing. I bless you, Jesus. We uh, worship you. We lean in, Lord, with the angels and we look in awe at who you are as our Prince of Peace. Amen. Amen.